0: So be Ephesians chapter one, mostly uh, John three sixteen. I'm gonna read a little bit of, so you can be back and forth to both places if you like. Uh, be on a screen. Uh, sometimes I get too much on one screen; and it's hard to read. So might be best looking your in your own Bible. While you're looking that up, I just want to read this to you uh, to start us off uh, when we talk about the heart of Christmas, bringing love, or is the at the heart of Christmas brings love. For this morning, we've talked about joy, peace, and we've, a few other things. And today we're going to talk about the love of God, which is, I don't, I don't guess everybody gets tired of hearing about that, right? <laughs> I mean, what greater thing is there to talk about than the love of God, especially when you're talking to other folks and sharing that with, with people. So this here this here is an illustration that many preachers have used for different things, and I just want to share it this morning. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. If our greatest need had been pleasure, God would have sent us an entertainer. But our greatest need was forgiveness, so God sent us a savior. That'll get us started for talking about the love of God and what was offered to us through the birth of this baby on Christmas morning. The day that Jesus, well, the day that Jesus was born that we celebrate on Christmas morning. So as we go through this, I just want you to think about how much God actually loves you. You know, and I think it's easy for the believer, it's easy for the Christian to become habitual about our, our worship and our service and our Bible studies and our prayer time and really fall into a trap of not not necessarily... Forgetting that God loves us, but sometimes getting away from how much God loves us, okay, so just kind of think about that as we go through this uh, last week y'all I heard a few comments after church saying uh, asking me if I was sick because I went a little short." <laughs> It could happen again today, I don't know, but I'm not sick, so we just, we just talk about say it and get off the stage and go on, right? <laughs> so here we are in John chapter 3, well here you guys are, let me get over there. John chapter 3, in verse really verse 16 is what everybody memorizes, isn't it? Yeah. Which is fine to memorize because it's important, it's a valuable thing to share with folks. But we're going to read around it a little bit today. And I want to I share what it says from verse 14 on through to verse 21, I believe we're going to go. It says this in verse 14. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. So that whoever believes will, will in him have eternal life. And here it is, verse 16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life as we continue to read in verse 17 keeping in mind that we're thinking about the birth of jesus on that uh on that day when joseph and mary were looking for a place to stay and here comes this baby boy into the world that would be the fulfillment of the promises of god not because he has to but because he Wants to because he loves us. Verse 17 says, For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. Going on into verse 18, He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already, because he has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the judgment, verse 19, that the light has come into the world, and men love the darkness rather than light for their deeds were evil for everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed and then finally verse 21 but he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as he as having been wrought in God so that's a lot more to it than just whosoever believes can be saved isn't it There's a lot more that is being said in John's gospel about the love of God and how it's offered, but also not only so how it's offered, but how it's received. You see, you can love people all you want to, but they don't have to receive your love. And people can love you all you want them to, but unless you receive that love, it's not having the effect that it was intended. And that's what Christmas is hopefully there to remind us about. How, just how much God loved. And who God loved. Right? And how and, where and why. All of those things. You know, God so loved the world that he gave. Okay, so I want, I want to pause before I go too fast. You can tell people you love them all day long. But if there's, no, if there's nothing behind that, it becomes questionable, doesn't it? And that's true for everybody. That's true for me, it's true for you, it's true for people in your life. You know who cares about you. And, you, and whoever you care about, they know if you care about them. Just by the way that you act. Just by the, way that, by the way that you love them, not the way that you say it, but the way that you do it. The way that you express that. I mean, I could tell my wife every day for the rest of our lives that I love her, but if I ain't never there and I act like I don't want her to be around, what does that say to her? Right? I mean, it's pretty... She's going to come to a conclusion at some point that maybe the words coming out of my mouth aren't real. That's the way love works. G- love gives. That's what love does. God is giving us that example. The best example that we could think of on how to give is, watch how God did it. For God so loved the world that he gave. And that's what love does. Love gives. Not necessarily always money, but sometimes. Not necessarily always time, but sometimes. Not necessarily almost some kind of other sacrifice, but sometimes. I think there's probably somebody in this world somewhere. I wouldn't, know, I wouldn't be able to know who it was, but they would say that I love them so much that I stay away from them. <laughs> just because they, they just don't like me, I guess. You know, so it's just a matter of what God is leading us to do. How do we love the world? How do we love our neighbors? We do something for them. We show them something. We care for them in certain ways. You see, giving is how God expresses his love. So I I would just go ahead and jump into accepting the fact that that's how he wants us to love. By giving to one another. Don't be takers, be givers. It's the takers in your life that cause you the most stress, isn't it? The, the ones who are, are only takers. They, all they want to do is take, take, and take, and there's never any give, and it becomes a stressful relationship. We're, we're created to give. We're created to love. We, in this context, we can take the word give and the word love and make them interchangeable. If we're going to follow the way the Lord teaches us, the way he shows us how to be, what he created us to be. He created us to love the world so much that we give. Now, we, we are not going to give the same thing that God gave. But we're going to give in the same way that God gave. Because when God came into the world, he sent Jesus into the world, he came to give it all. For you because that's what it took to love you the way he loves you because he loves you so much he does he doesn't want you to be separated from him he, he loves you so much that he doesn't want you to suffer consequences for your own behavior he loves you so much that he sees your helplessness and did something about it he gave Giving is the heart of God. It's the heart of Christmas. This is why we exchange gifts, isn't it? This is the entire reason that we exchange gifts at Christmas time. There was a little boy one time. uh, uh, His parents got him up early. He got his parents up early, and they did what every family does, and they sit around the Christmas tree opening up all their gifts and having a good time while the parents are half asleep still in their PJs, and the kids are running around in the yard in their PJs playing with whatever toys they got. And the dad asked the little boy, he said, did you get everything you wanted for Christmas this year? And the boy says, well, not really, but it's not really my birthday either, so it's okay. See, the little boy understood what it's about. He was happy to to receive the love that was shown to him on Christmas morning, but he understood the greater love that was shown to him through Jesus and why we celebrate Christmas. Why we celebrate the birth of this baby, how important it is. See, God is not a taker. God doesn't take. Isn't that great? Imagine if we had a, a, a God who all he did was just take, take, and take. But we have a God who doesn't need from us. So he's not going to take from us. In fact, he has what we need. And he loves us so much that he offers it to us in amazing ways, spectacular ways. Can you imagine the things that we preach about and think about at Easter time? Can you imagine all of those things happening to this little baby? You see, nobody wants to think about it that way. Everybody is horrified. Most people in the world, unless they're just completely deranged or have some kind of mental disability or emotional disconnect, when there's harm to little children, we all think it's horrible. But we celebrate this little baby who who was born into the world. We celebrate this little baby who was born into the world for the purpose of being brutally murdered. It's tough to think about it that way. It really is. But that's really the only way we can truly uh, begin to get our minds wrapped around just, just how much God loves you. In me. Just how much his love was expressed. Because even in that moment when this baby was born and the news began to travel around the world, there were wicked men who tried to destroy him. Many other babies, many other babies were slaughtered because of this child. Many bad things happened because of the birth of this child all so that you and I can experience God's love now I'm 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 just going to go on out here and say with the Lord's help I can be faithful to this but I don't want to stop experiencing God's love I don't ever want to take it for granted I don't think I've gotten the fullness of it yet because I'm still growing in Christ I, don't, I want the same thing for y'all. I don't ever want to drift away from God's love. For two reasons. One, because it's amazing. It's overwhelmingly lavished on me in such a way that I can't take it all. But also because of what this Bible teaches me about how this love was expressed. And what it took to love me and you. And how dare I take that for granted. How dare I sit back and think that I'm owed something from God? How, who, who am I to think that this was something God had to do? And I've said this many times and I'll continue to say it. That forced love is not genuine love. And if God was forced to do this for us, it wouldn't really be love, would it? He chose to do it. So who does, who does God love according to these verses in John chapter 3? The world. God loves the world, not the earth, not the planet, not the culture that we live in or the cultures in the past or the ones that may come if the Lord delays, but people is who God loves. All people, sinners, rebels, criminals, people. I was, I was making that list, and I was like, all right, let me make a good list of people. There ain't no good list of people, according to Romans chapter 3. We're all sinners. We all fall short. We all need this love. We not only do we want this love, most of us, but we need it. And sometimes I wonder if we realize how much we need this love. I, I know we know that we need it, but we don't, I don't think sometimes we realize just how much we need this love. Maybe there's moments in our life when conviction happens and the Lord is tapping us on the shoulder with through his Holy Spirit and the word of God saying, Hey, 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 that's not who we are. Let's get back on track here. Let's do something different. And then we suddenly realize how much we need God's grace and forgiveness. And how much we need his patience and his faithfulness in our life to continue to experience this love and to live in what he sent Jesus here to do. What this little baby was born to do. Y- y'all realize this entire Bible is God saying, I love you. The whole thing is God saying to you and to me and every other person, I love you. How can we not be in love with that? How can we not cling to this? How can we not take it everywhere we go? How can we not pour it into our hearts and let our minds? Get with the Holy Spirit so that we can have truth living in us. So that God's love is effective. God's love is not only felt by our own hearts and minds, but also felt by those around us. You see, when we, when we start immersing ourselves in God's love, that's when we begin to make disciples. That's when we begin to love our neighbors and not even try because it's God doing that it's what God does it comes it oozes out of us oozes we used to have when I was a little kid we used to have these uh I remember I remember wanting one for Christmas I forget what they call them Stretch Armstrong I think it was it was a little rubber dude man he'd stretch him forever and he wouldn't break and and me and my brother had a goal we're gonna break this thing because they claimed it couldn't be broke And we just kept stretching that thing. We was outside. We kept stretching it and stretching it until it finally broke. And then there was all this stuff oozing out of it. All this gooey stuff. It started oozing out of it. And then we were mad because it broke. That's the way God's love is. It's supposed to ooze out of you. So that other people can know God. By the way that you live in his love. Other people can know that this whole thing about the birth of Jesus is a real deal. We wouldn't have so much trouble in the world about saying Merry Christmas to one another if people could see the love of God oozing out of the believers. Because you can't ignore God's love. You might be able to reject it, but you can't ignore it. Nobody in the world, when Jesus was born, ignored that. That's what the Bible talks about. All around the world, people were hearing this message. Hey, the Messiah is born, the one who is to be the Christ. He's alive. He's born now. He's in the world. And then he goes to the cross and everybody around the world knew that happened. And then he was resurrected and all the people around the world knew that happened. And then the Spirit of God came on the believers and all the people around. You see what happens with the love of God. If people around you aren't knowing God or aren't at least being exposed to God, then we need to look inside. Not because we, maybe we're doing something wrong so much as maybe we need to Go into the deep end of God's love and quit messing around in the kiddie pool. Just get fully immersed in God's love. That means spending time with God in prayer. That means spending time in his word, not reading it to say what it means, reading it so that God will show you what it means. He'll put the truth in you. He will continue to overwhelm you with his love. You should read this Bible on a regular basis and you should be crying your eyes out from time to time because you're exposed to the love of God by reading this word, by the Spirit of God active in your life, all because Jesus came into the world so that he could go to the cross and you could be loved by God. Isn't that amazing, y'all? I should have known better to think I'm going to come up here and talk about the love of God and we're going to be done early. I should have known. I want to read some things here in a minute about Ephesians chapter 1. Because not only did God love the world, who he loved, but he also loved by giving his son... Freely, unwarranted, undeserved, by his own choice. I'm gonna show you why he loves. Whoops. Yeah. Ephesians chapter one, verses starting in verse three. This letter is written to the church in Ephesus, and they were living in a time in a culture where things were really, really really bad in reference to people that were living away from God and contrary to what honors God basically sin everywhere rampant you think you think it's bad in our world today with people just openly and blatantly accepting everything as as, as permissible that's the world we live in I think it's worse than it ever hasn't been in my life I'm pretty sure it's been worse other times but the, the the ephesians were living in a world that was so much worse than it is today and they get this letter encouraging them and reminding them of who they are and how just how god has loved them and why he loves them i think it's amazing i want to read it i'm going to try to break it down i was going to read it through but it's a little lengthy but so i'm going to break it down the best i can Let's read verses 3 to 5 together here. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord, verse 3, of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has, bl- who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. Verse 4, just as he chose us to in him before the foundation of the world, that we would uh, be holy and blameless before him in love. He predestined us to be... To, to adoption as sons through Jesus Christ to himself, according to the, uh, to the kind intention of his will. Two things I want to point out as to why God loves us so much. He has a purpose behind what he does and why he loves us, the way he loves us. And what Jesus did on the cross. And why he had to be born as a man into this world as a human being. Be just like us so that the penalty would be paid. But he loved us. Check this out. God loved us before he ever created the world. You want to talk about an early love letter written, right? My son, my son used to dream about being married. That was one of his goals in life. And he would run around, he bought that house that he was living in, and he would, every now and then he would talk about, I would tell him, I'm like, why don't you get the bathroom like you like it? And like, get the bathroom set up the way you want it. And he's like, well, I would, but I, I don't know if my future wife would like it, so I'm going to wait. <laughs> so he's constantly thinking about this girl that isn't even in his life yet. <laughs> so he's like, he's modeling his house after what he, she might or might not like. That's, that's, that's pre-love, y'all. <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? That's loving somebody before you know them. But on God's, in God's way, he already knew you before he created all of this. He already loves you. He loved you before you ever sinned. He loved you, he loved you before you ever rejected him. And then, and, and w- as we read in verse 5, the decision is already made. The plan has already been in place that you and I would be adopted into his family. we ha- w- It was always in the plan that we would be his. We, uh, we've always had a home with him. We belong there. And anybody, who, anybody who's ever uh, been adopted into a family would under- would be able to explain or maybe try to explain to the rest of us what it's like to not have people who love you, and then suddenly somebody loves you. <laughs> so, we're adopted. We're, it was all in the master plan before God created the world, before Adam and Eve decided to rebel against God. Notice at the end of chapter, uh, verse 5, it says, according to the kind intention of his will. This was God's plan. It's always been God's plan to love us. Now we go to verse 6 and 7. To the praise of the glory of His grace, which He freely bestowed on us in the Beloved. In Him, we have redemption through His blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of His grace. This is why He loves us. All of this is why he loves us. You ever think about that? You ever sit back in your prayer chair or on your knees or in your bed or riding down the road and just look up and say, Lord, why do you love me so much? Why would you love me this much? I don't deserve it. I don't, I don't fully grasp it. I don't always do right with it. So why? Why? His love is offered to us at the birth of Jesus. When Jesus comes into the world, it's God bringing into into truth, into being, His grace. For you and for me. How many of y'all can need His grace every day? We all do, don't we? We all need His grace. If we don't have what what verse 7 talks about, if we don't have redemption and forgiveness, we might as well just hang it all up. There ain't no point in even loving each other at that point because there's no love. There's nothing to look forward to, as we discussed about hope recently at Christmas time. He said, "In in Him, this baby who was born to Mary, according to God's plan, His perfect and His kind intention of His will, His plan in this baby, we have redemption, and in His through His blood, we have forgiveness." It's the only way to experience God's love. You can hear about God's love. You can even be close to God's love. You, can, might even, you might even be loved by God's people. But if you don't step into his forgiveness, you will never experience his love. Not like Because not like, God's people can't love you the way God loves you. Because only God went to the cross. Only God left the the, the heavens, the the, the presence of the Father, to come into the world as a human being and lessen himself for the purpose of going to the cross so that you and I can have forgiveness and be restored to where we belong. This is some serious love, isn't it, y'all? Then we go into verse... 9. We're not going to read all of us. Read verse 9. He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his kind intention which he purposed in him. The mystery of his will. Some people don't like that word to be in the Bible. The mystery. As if God's playing games or something. No. All he's saying to the Ephesians is once we didn't know what God's will is, now we do. God has provided a way for us to know through Jesus. Through this baby. Now we get to have this word of God. It's here. Through Jesus we have truth. Through Jesus we have knowledge of God's will. And it's God's will that all would be loved. You understand? God, it's God's will that all, every person in the world that's ever existed would be loved by him. That's his will. The problem is not everyone will receive that love. So if you're not loved by God, it's because of your rejection of his love, not because he didn't offer it. A lot of people don't realize that this Bible explains to us that God has done everything that he needs to do and is going to do to not only love you, but lead you and guide you in your life. There's nothing left undone. It's all right here. If you feel like God doesn't love you, let's get together with his word and let's pray about it because he does. He does love you. He loves each and every one of you the same. We've all sinned in different ways, maybe, but that same love covers it all. That's verse 9. We get to know the will of God. Verse 11, we'll get done with these couple of verses and then we'll be finished. It says, also we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to his purpose, who, who works all things after the counsel of his will. Still talking about the will of God. It's saying that it's always been God's plan that you and I and the rest of the world become part of his family. It was never his plan for us to be separated from him permanently. I like like the word inheritance when I'm included. When it comes to the kingdom of God, don't you? I mean, we don't just like, this is all prodigal son stuff, y'all. The prodigal son didn't deserve to come home. He didn't deserve to even be with the servants for the horrific treatment that he displayed against his father. But he was not only invited in, he was ushered in quickly by the father and restored to his rightful place. And he had a seat at the table. And, when, and I have to imagine if that parable played out, When the father did pass away, that son still stood to have an inheritance again. It wasn't like he spent it all and, okay, you're out. No. It was an expensive lesson for the father to pay for so the son could know how much he's loved. You get it? The lesson was costly for us to know how much the father loves us. It cost Jesus... His life, the blood, the treatment, the horrific scene that we call the crucifixion. That's how much it costs for us to be loved. And, and when we think about Christmas morning and we think about this, we tell the story in Luke chapter 2 about the baby who was born to become the savior of the world. Sometimes I wonder if we don't disconnect that horrible scene with what's happened on Christmas morning. And I think that's a, a, a mistake if that's what we do. Because babies are cute, right? They're innocent. Well, most babies are. They're just innocent. They, they, they're, 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 almost, they're almost perfect because if they don't sin when they're first born, right? They just sit there and slobber all over themselves and cry and eat and do other things. And all the ladies come running over. Oh, let me see the baby. But all these people come from all around the world to look at this baby. But if we read the text and all the stories that are told, they came from around the world to see the Messiah, not just to see a baby. They came from all around the world to see the one who was born to become the Christ. Most likely not even aware of what it was going to take for him to complete his mission and bring this love into the world, to bring salvation and forgiveness All so that we can inherit the kingdom of God with Christ. It's one thing if we were just forgiven, right? That would be enough, just to be forgiven by God. Right? And and not go to hell. Because that's where most people's salvation stays. They just don't want to go to hell. And because that's all there is to it, they stop seeking the love of God right there. And they're just like, ooh, at least I'm not going to hell. Totally missing out on what Jesus died for. Jesus died because you are created to be loved by God. We all are created to be loved by God. That's why Jesus died. He didn't die just to forgive your disobedience, your rebelliousness. He died to clean that up so that you could experience his love in the fullest. So we have this inheritance. That's what the birth of Jesus brings into the world, the inheritance for those who would believe. And then finally, well, not really finally, there's two more verses. Verse 13 says, In him you also, after listening to the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation, having also believed, you were sealed in him with the Holy Spirit of promise. Salvation, y'all. Escaping the punishment for sin, which Romans chapter 3 once again tells us the punishment for sin is death. Romans chapter 6, excuse me punishment for sin is death that means total separation from god for eternity solving the problem of sin and also filling the need to be loved all in one thing everybody in this room has a need to be loved whether you admit it or not there's some people just like hey i I, I like being by myself i'm a loner i I do my thing well that's, that's, that's fine it's your personality but we were created to be loved by God. And if you're not loved by God, you're missing something. And I think you probably know that to some degree. Salvation is why this baby comes into the world. Salvation not just for anybody, but for all people. See, God for God so loved the world. This baby came into the world for the world, for the people. And then it says in this last verse, we'll look at Ephesians chapter 1, verse 14 who is who is given as a pledge talking about the holy spirit in verse 13 who is given as a pledge of our inheritance with a view to the redemption of god's own possessions to the praise of his glory you get the gift of the holy spirit you get the presence of god and it's just a little bit until we leave this world and go into eternity with god and get the fullness. Can you imagine, imagine if you sit back and ever think and realize how much God loves you, or at least get a good picture of it, and you're overwhelmed by it, and you can't imagine why you get so much love, and then when we leave this world, and we go into his presence, how much greater is that love going to be? There's nothing there in the presence of God, in eternity with God, there's nothing there to interfere with this love transaction. Nothing like sin, nothing like our own thoughts, our own attitudes, nothing like persecution. It's all just us and God. Praise the Lord. And realizing, it keeps saying, to the praise of His glory. You ever notice that in this scripture? To the praise of His glory. See, all of this love, all of this salvation, all of this grace, this forgiveness, this redemption, all of this truth being exposed, the will of God, it's all so that God can be glorified all throughout His creation. See, God is great. God is good. Give you something else to look at. God God is, there's no one greater, no one better. Nothing compares to our Creator, our Lord. Nothing. No one, no group of ones, nothing. He doesn't have to prove himself to anybody. He's not in competition with anybody. He just wants to love you. His question is do you love me? that's what it always comes down to. Every time it comes down to that. Do you love me is what he's saying. And we can sit here in church saying I love God. We can sit at home and saying I love God. We can even hang stuff on our walls in our house and say how much we love God. But God sees how much we love him. God sees how much we love him by how much we love each other. By how much we love others. By what we do. By how we do it. If our words match our actions, as James tries to teach us, faith without deeds is dead, right? The first act of faith is do you believe that Jesus is the Christ? Do you see how much God loves you? And do you want to experience that love? Do you want to receive that love? If so, we stop, we rebel. We stop hating God. We stop rebelling against God, harming God, telling God that we don't love him, and we just stop being a sinner. That's what repentance is. That's our first act of love toward God. And then we're baptized for the forgiveness of our sins according to what Scripture teaches us. We receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and we just begin walking in His love every day for the rest of our life. And we grow and grow and grow in that. And the more we grow in that, the more it oozes out of us and we're just leaving God's love, a trail of God's love behind us everywhere we go. Sounds simple, doesn't it? It really sounds simple we don't have to make it so hard you ready to play we're going to stand together and we're going to sing together and we just sing about his love we're going to sing about how much he loves us and just praise the lord if you have a decision to make come on down